presented by the Evangelism Department of the North American Mission Board. This is Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast, the podcast to help pastors be on mission in their local community. Here's your host, Joel Sutherland. Welcome to Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast of the North American Mission Board. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. When we studied top evangelistic churches, one of the things that stood out was that the majority of pastors in that group had a vision that was driving them to fulfill their mission. Some people use the words vision and mission interchangeably, but I prefer to think of vision as the way the mission is expressed in your context. The mission is Matthew 28. The mission is Acts 1-8. The vision is how you're going to fulfill the mission where you are. We normally see vision expressed in a way that is specific to a particular church. Maybe it has a geographic component, a special missional component. It identifies a particular ministry. There are many ways to express it, and if you want to study some of those, check out Will Mancini's book, God Dreams. The bottom line is vision is an important component of a top evangelistic church. It answers the question, why? W-H-Y. Too many churches focus on how they do church or what they do at church, but very little time on the why. I think it's because we feel that as if the Bible gives us the why and motivation people should need and we shouldn't have to restate it, but that's just not going to work. How God wants to express the mission through your church is a vital component of a top evangelistic church. Yet most don't have a vision statement that drives the church engine. Listen to what Barna says in his book, The Power of Vision. And I quote, Although there are good people and have been called to ministry, most senior pastors do not have an understanding of God's vision for the ministries they are trying to lead. And consequently, most churches have little impact in their community or in the lives of their congregants. Not even one out of every 10 pastors of Protestant churches can articulate God's vision for their church. Clearly, this is one of the most important areas for growth during the present decade, unquote. Not even one in 10 pastors, not one in 10, has a vision for what God wants to do with their church. Let's take a break, and when we come back, We'll be joined by our co-host, Scott Smith, and we'll listen to one of the top evangelistic pastors talk about vision. Join us today is Scott Smith. He's an evangelism consultant at the Georgia Baptist Mission Board. Scott, can a pastor get by without vision? Yes, he can get by. That's, but that's all he can do. There, there are plenty of pastors getting by without vision. Obviously, nine out of ten are. Mm-hmm. I think you know, according to the the quote that you gave in the opening monologue. So, yeah, um, you can obviously function for a time, uh, but uh, but ultimately, you won't accomplish anything of eternal value, at least not to any substantive degree. Without vision, yeah. So I think that's the difference. That, that that's the difference maker. We can just pastor our church and get by and keep our jobs. The budget will maintain-ish. The attendance will maintain-ish. But if we're talking about deep kingdom impact, where we want to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant, uh, a, a vision helps motivate 
a congregation to be on mission with the gospel. So let's listen to a clip by Pastor Ronnie Floyd of Cross Point Church in Arkansas talking about vision. This was at our Engage 24 workshop right here in Alpharetta. Vision. Pastors want to talk about vision. All right, what's your vision? What is your vision? Is it clear? Is it concise? Is it compelling? Does anybody know in your church what your vision is? Or is it just your vision? Do you ever follow your vision? Do you know how to make your vision walk? Can you get your vision to walk? Or is it out for a walk and nobody's on it? Which one is it? Vision is clear. It's so important we understand this. Eight times in the scripture was this question asked, what do I see? That's really what vision is. You have to ask yourself, what do I see? What do I see? Prophets were asked this question by God. Think about that. Jeremiah got asked that question. Important. What do I see? Well, here's the answer. You better never forget seeing this. Jesus died for each person in my community. And my number one calling is to reach them for Jesus Christ. Now, if you want to sit around all day long and debate that, you're talking to the wrong guy, you're wasting your time. And you're never going to have an evangelistic church sitting around wondering if that statement's true. Okay, that's great. You go, go into your little intellectual gymnastic. Have fun. It's not going to reach anybody. And what we have to recapture is that right there. He really did die for every person in my community. And as much as it depends on me, I got to reach them with the gospel. If I'm not as fired up about that and I don't believe that, then I better ask myself, what am I doing in ministry? I need to go have an easy job like coach University of Alabama football team or something. Oh, listen, it really does come back to John 3, 16, doesn't it? You say, well, I know that verse. Well, good. When's the last time you read it? For God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Man, that's what it is. God so loved the world. You got to believe it. And there's a couple of actions I want to call to. Because of that, you got to come to some actions in your life. You got to come to geographic saturation. How can I saturate my community with the gospel? You say, Pastor, I live in Atlanta. It's a little hard for me. You have a region in Atlanta you focused on. If you haven't, you, you better. You got to start where you are. And so you got to figure out how to do that. God's called you there. He'll show you. But you have, to, you have to make a geographic commitment. We're going to saturate our community with the gospel. And then we're going to penetrate this community with the gospel. Are you doing that? Do you even see that? You know, I, I learned years and years ago that I got to do that. And we're still trying to do it. And it's hard because our region is growing. I told my people Sunday, Northwest Arkansas is more lost today than it's ever been. 
We, we, we have far more lost people than we've ever had before. And we have a choice. What kind of church are we going to constantly be? Scott, that's a great clip. And when you boil it down, the vision is the why statement of the church, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would even say that there's, there's never a lack of vision. Uh, in other words, it, we, we often quote, you know, where there is no vision, the people perish. Um, where there is no vision, there is no there, there's vision. Mm. In other words, mm. uh, everyone craves vision to the point that if you don't cast a biblical vision, the wrong vision will fill it. Ooh. So what happens is the vision becomes the better choir ministry. The vision becomes, uh, you know, the building decor, the fellowship events, hobby ministries that don't produce kingdom results. Wow. So there is always going to be a vision. The question is whose. And so uh, the pro- the problem is that there hasn't been enough biblical vision cast around evangelism, mm-hmm. uh, so it's been displaced by uh, some other vision, and usually it's not the right one. <laughs> it's it's never evangelistic, honestly. No, it's, it's never not. it's never evangelistic. Yeah, I'll, I like to jokingly say, if your vision includes the word in any context, fellowship, then you have the wrong vision. Right. Like like you know, we don't have to cast a vision for people to hang out together. We, we don't have to cast a vision for, um, you know, Wednesday night meals or whatever. Uh, that kind of stuff's just going to take place. And, men, like you just said, if you don't fill in the blank, they will fill the blank in for you. Yeah. And unfortunately, everyone fills it in the way they want it filled in. That's right. But that's Scott, that's probably the typical church you run into, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And so what we have to remember, too, is is if you look at the ratio of leaders to followers across everything, there's a few leaders and there are tons of followers. I've heard it said, this is kind of crass, but I've heard it said that most people are walking around with an umbilical cord looking for someone to plug it into. No, no, no. that's great. If you don't step up and be the leader that they can plug into with a strong, compelling, as, as Ronnie said, clear concise, compelling vision, then some other leader, whether they have the title or not in your Mm -hmm. church, is going to step up with something that is clear, concise, and compelling, and they'll plug into them. And it'll be about their silo or their pet ministry. And so that's how we get off course from evangelism in churches. Well, Simon Sinek in his book, Start With Why, and I've heard him on a podcast talking about this as well, he says that very thing. It takes, everybody can't be a visionary leader. Like, like it we need followers. If you're a visionary leader, you need a follower. The fact are, is there are sheep and shepherds. The, the Bible lays that out very plain. That's, right. not a, that's not an insult. That's the way it's meant to be is that God puts men in place to lead his organization, the church. And so um, they are looking for someone to cast the vision and, and let them live a life of purpose. But in the absence of that, they've got to live life anyway. Yes. Because they, everyone, I believe this. I believe everyone craves vision. Mm-hmm. Most people are craving a vision. And I love back to what Cynic says. You know, when he talks about find your why, he talks about there are there are vision casters and there are vision finders. And mm-hmm. we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be vision creators when maybe we're not wired that way. Most people, and I would even say most pastors, are not wired to create vision. So it, so so to his point, if you can't create a vision, go out and find one. Well, a couple things. Number one, we're given one in Scripture. Sure, it, you don't have to go out and invent anything. Make the biblical vision your vision, mm-hmm. and then articulate it in a way that obviously you know fits your context and mobilizes your people to to grasp a hold of that vision. And it may show up a little bit differently in terms of the way that it's cast. 
but it will be at the end of the day if it's effective exactly what Ronnie said that it was. Well, it should be. like I said in the opening monologue, we all have the same mission. Like, I don't care what your vision is. At the end of the day, Acts 1-8 is your mission. Uh, Matthew 28, Christ said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. That's our mission. If that was his, that's ours. It should be ours. Yeah, right? and, and it's not debatable. I love what he said about if you want to go debate that, you know, here's what's not debatable. I don't care where what your theological persuasion is. And by the way, I'm 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 tight with everybody. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm 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 sure. you know I, I believe the, the the obviously the SBC tent is a big tent. So, but I'll say this: you cannot exegete out of Scripture Matthew 28. You cannot exegete out of Scripture what Paul said in First Corinthians nine, where he said, uh, "I become all things, or yeah, I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some." That's Strategy. Mm-hmm. That's vision. That's mission. That's uh, purpose. Uh, that's your. That's your why. Well, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I mean, let's break it down. Any way you break it down in Scripture, Pastor, your church has got to be evangelistic. There is no space, I don't think, for not doing evangelism. No. But the vision is how that mission is expressed out in your local context. So I, I don't think you can just go carbon copy somebody's vision because theirs is for their context but we can learn we can we can really learn a lot like like you said you you may not be a great vision creator but you can connect yourself to people who are good vision creators and kind of see what they did learn some principles there tie that into your church that's exactly that's exactly right because again i think i think this is true i don't know that i have any anecdotal evidence to prove it but i think this would be true maybe a little speculative on my part it's not that. It's not how you. I mean, some guys. I mean, they can turn. You're good at this, Scott. You can turn a phrase, and I'm like, dude, why didn't I think of that? That is an awesome way to say that. And we're all mesmerized by how somebody's vision is a turn of a phrase that's like brilliant, clever. Yeah, yeah so clever. And so, but here's what I think. I don't think I have to have that brilliant of a phrase if I just have a vision that that drives the mission and I'm hammering that over and over again and rallying my church around that. That'll move me a lot farther down the road than the catchiest phrase you've ever heard in your life. Yeah, ab- absolutely. You know, just ha- just have one. He mentioned three key components and I thought Ronnie was spot on with this of a good vision. It has to be clear, concise, and compelling. Well, Scott, why does the vision have to be clear? Uh, well, first of all, you know, clarity is about knowing exactly what you want. I mean, that can almost sound crass in in church settings. You know, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, if if we have you know on our heart what God has on His heart, uh, it's okay to say this is what I want. I yeah. want to be the most evangelistic church in our area. I want to reach as many as I can for Christ. And here's my vision statement about that. You know, Mark Twain famously said once that I can teach anybody how to get whatever they want out of life. The problem is I can't find anybody who can tell me what they want. <laughs> you know, so so That's so good. So clarity really it does. So it good. lacks. And and I to your to your earlier uh, quote, only one out of ten mm-hmm. pastors can clearly articulate. And I think it's because they're not clear. That's right. You know, God said write the vision and make it plain. If you can't put it in black and white, you're not there yet. Yeah. I, I think if you'd asked me in my first church what what was my vision for the church? I had no idea. I was trying to survive. Like, I couldn't articulate it well. And I think that's because that takes some time alone with God, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even some time reading, research, 
like there's a component to this that, you know, I don't want to be making this stuff up. I want some time alone with God. But the time that you spend getting a clear spiritual mental picture of what you want to be going on, what you want God to be doing at your church is well worth the investment you'll make in it. Yeah, that. because it's going to inform everything else that you yeah. do. And the truth is, if it's not clear in my mind, it's definitely not going to be clear in anybody else's mind. No, right? never. Never going to be. He also said concise. Uh, I run in churches all the time. We start talking about this. They're like, oh, yeah, we have a vision. We have this 24-page document of vision. And I'm like, there is no such thing <laughs> as a 24-page <laughs> vision document. And no, almost always, without fail, when I see that, they've got a lot of goals in there. And I mean, I'll see vision statements written 20 years ago that everything expired, you know, in 2003, you know, or it was all pre-internet goals, you know, which just not informed by culture at all. When we start talking about visions, we're not talking about 24-page documents, are we? Oh, no, no, not at all. Matter of fact, uh, quite, quite the opposite. Uh, the, the vision statements that we have found in our research and looking at some of the top baptizing churches are usually a few words, mm-hmm. uh, and they do reflect the distinctiveness of that church, its location, or the uniqueness of its makeup and things like that while still being biblical and tied to the Great Commission, but not very lengthy. No. No, as a matter of fact— I mean, we're hey, we're in the social media Twitter age. Most of them can fit in a Twitter. A lot of them. Not all of them for sure, but a lot of them can. But all of them can be can be statements uh, or visions that can be cast during the welcome time in a church. Like most of these guys are getting up and rearticulating their vision every single Sunday, yep. multiple times. So they're not reading twenty pages; they're casting that vision. Every at every opportunity they can get. Yeah, and it's not theme of the year. No, no, no it's much more long term. It's much more about the DNA. It's not something that they wear for a year and they take off and put it on a new one next year. It's it's much more ingrained. Well, um, to borrow the term from last podcast, evergreen, evergreen. It, yep. it, we're tr- they're trying to keep and evergreen perpetual in in some sense. That's exactly right. And then Ronnie said that it's compelling. Well. The fact is, it has to be compelling, or it needs to be compelling, because the pastor can't do this alone. Yeah. It has a sense of movement. It has Mm -hmm. a sense of urgency. It has a sense of this is not going to happen unless we work together. Uh, You look at all the vision statements of great churches, of great organizations, they all have that in common. As a matter of fact, Joel, I, I actually put together a little list. I I, I, let me just read you a few uh, missions or vision vision statements of some nonprofits, and I'm purposely going to the nonprofit world because I want to. I don't want to just compare. I don't want to just give uh, like a, a cheat sheet that we're, we're going. Sure. Oh, that's my next vision statement. Sure. Uh, but but just you can hear how these work. Like Habitat for Humanity. Everybody knows who Habitat for mm-hmm. Humanity is. Oh, here's their vision statement: a world where everyone has a decent place to live. Compelling, concise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, very it, clear. Very clear. The Smithsonian, uh, shaping the future by preserving our heritage, discovering new knowledge, and sharing our resources with the world. Mm. Pretty simple. Uh, two more. The Nature Conservancy, our vision is to leave a sustainable world for future generations. So naturally, uh, you probably wouldn't be surprised by any program they have, any no. building they build, any any marketing they put out. Everything is going to fall under that vision statement. And then one more, Feeding America, their their vision statement is a hunger-free America. 
What's interesting about that is you know exactly what they're targeting. Mm-hmm. You know exactly their location. Yep. It's their, the boundaries of their vision is America. And so they, they build that in. Yeah, there's a geographic component to that mm-hmm. that I'll, I, I like. It's not a hunger-free world. Mm-hmm. It's a hunger-free America. And often the vision statements of churches will address, through the lens of the Great Commission, it will address their Jerusalem, their Samaria, mm-hmm. their Judea, mm-hmm. their uttermost parts of the earth some, yeah. some way. And that's one of the points I wanted to make. If you look at Acts 1-8 as kind of our mission, it says Jerusalem. We don't live in Jerusalem, but every pastor has a Jerusalem, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. You know, your context is your Jerusalem. And so I I think it's important, if you'll get this vision thing right, I recently shared this with a church staff, and, man, to see their eyes light up about how vision – here's what I like to say. I I don't think I came up with it. I just don't know where it came from. I may did, but I'm sure I didn't. Vision helps you say no to very good things so you can say yes to the best things. Mm. And in churches, man, here's what I think. I think if your vision is clear enough and concise enough and compelling enough that a 14-year-old should be able to make the decisions you need to make in your church. Absolutely. A great resource if you want to just blaze through a book in a weekend that will help you articulate vision is a book. It's been around a while. It's a marketing book called Made to Stick. Yeah. And they looked at different statements around um, great organizations and businesses that did that. American Airlines was one example. And to go back to your point, they said no to – so America, uh, not American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, mm-hmm. the low-priced airline. That's it. We're the low-priced airline. So there was a time where someone walked into an executive's office and said, look, surveys show that our people that are on our airline, that our customers want f- food on the airline. And he instantly said no. Why? Because of the filter. That's right. We're the low po- we can't remain the low-priced airline and serve sandwiches. And so as a result of that, uh, they were able to say no so they could say yes to what was the thing that actually made them carved out an entire niche in the airline market, which was the low-priced airline. And yeah. to this day, they're still known as the low-priced Yeah, airline. and so I, I use this example. If I own a company and my company's vision statement is to make the best hot dogs in the world, and somebody comes to me with the best ice cream recipe in the world, I mean, it literally is the best taste. And they say, hey, we want to give you this ice cream recipe. So every time I say, do I do I manufacture the ice cream, I always have some guys say, yeah. No, no, (laughs) no, because my vision statement is to make the best hot dogs in the world, not to bake the best hot dogs and ice cream. Now, some people would look at that and say, oh, well, you're leaving money on the table when you do that. No, you're diversifying beyond your vision and you're taking in a business context money and resources away from what the vision for your church is. So now. I don't have the bandwidth to have the best hot dog in the world because I'm trying to have the best hot dog and the best ice cream in the world. And so that, that's a kind of a rudimentary explanation. But how would that help us in our churches? When, 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 the, when some of our best church members come to us and say, I have the best idea for a ministry we should start here. Well, let me ask you, does it fit within the vision that we've laid out? No, but it, it's a really good ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it takes the pressure off you. It does. Even though they it can does. trace that vision back to you, once it connects with the DNA of your church and becomes part of the culture, the decision's being made, and it's like, 
you know, it's almost it's almost like, well, you know, our policy. <laughs> you can kind of <laughs> right. defer that, back to right. the vision, and it's like, yeah, well, that is you're right. They'll they'll almost agree, like, yeah, that is our vision. Uh, but the other the other thing that vision does, and I really don't want us to miss this, is that it actually helps you with the creative side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln said one time, and I love a, studying Abraham Lincoln as a leader, and and I know you do too. He said, uh, determine the thing that can and shall be done, and we shall find a way. And and so what I love about that is it's almost like if you focus on the what and the why, which is vision, mm-hmm. the how-to will present itself. Yes. I've heard it said that way. And and so we struggle a lot with, well, how do I do this and how do I do that? Get clear with mm-hmm. vision, the what and the why, mm-hmm. and, and the how-to, the creativity around the how it's going to show up is a whole lot easier. Yeah, it feels when you hear say these kind of things – you almost get the idea that vision is restrictive, but it's not. It's free. Oh, very free. It's free. Creative juices will never flow as much as they'll flow when you're clear on your vision. It's concise and it's a compelling vision. And man, you just you're able to go in and really mobilize your church. Here's what we know: success, however you want to define it, comes out of intense focus on on just that one thing, that a few things that your church is doing. There, there was this idea. A book was written about it, you know, called the twenty four seven church or something like that, where the idea was the church ought to be open seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. The more ministries you had, the more. I mean, it was really, it was shotgun church from a distance, mm. which means if anybody knows anything about you know this kind of thing, you can fire a shotgun. It's a little bitty tiny pellet scattered every direction. You can get far enough away that. You, I used to go bird hunting with my uh, grandfather. We'd all be shooting shotguns up in the air, and you'd get showered with pellets, <laughs> but none of them hurt because they diffused out so much. Yeah, but you could. Nobody did. Thank goodness. You take a rifle at that range, and you. I mean, it's deadly at that range. Now, I think that's what we do with church. A lot of times, we're so diffused in our ministries, we don't have a vision. Nothing's laser laser focused, and so at the end of the day, nothing's. Really, that's well, the successful. shotgun approach is you're, you will hit something. Yeah. I mean, it won't be. And here's the pastor what he has to be leery of. He'll have some success successes every now and then. And our successes can be our biggest enemy in that case. Yes, because because it'll keep you out of this hard work of creating vision and being rifle in, in the way you approach it and really targeted and narrowing down because, you know, uh, you know, some 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 approaches that have been narrowed to creating vision. You know, our vision is to reach maybe this demographic or whatever has taken a lot of criticism because mm-hmm. we know that the gospel is for all people. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to do that anyway, personally, psychologically, as a leader, because you feel like, well, if we get too clear in our vision or too concise in our vision or too narrow in our vision, aren't we leaving a lot of targets out or aren't we leaving a lot of ministry out mm-hmm. and uh, and that's the fear kind of the fear of missing out the FOMO effect you know mm-hmm. you have to let go of that that's right you have to say we're going to be the best at this for the gospel mm-hmm. in our region this is who we are and create that vision that really reflects the uniqueness of who you are in light of the gospel and not be afraid to be narrow in some respects yeah, and God will raise up and fill in the gaps where your church leaves a gap, maybe perhaps God will b- raise up another one that can fill in the gaps. Sure, along the area, Pastor. If you'd like some resources on vision, you can literally go to Amazon and search vision, and lots of books 
uh, written about church and vision will come up. Check out anything by Will Mancini, Barna, Sean Lovejoy, Aubrey Malfers, and others. You'll also find helpful resources at our blog. If you have a question about vision and how to be more evangelistic in your church, check out nam.net slash your church on mission. And you can also send us an email. If you have a question, we'll answer those from episode to episode to evangelism at nam.net. Thanks for listening in today. Thanks for listening to Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. To find out more about leading your church on mission, be sure and check out the blog, www.namb.net forward slash Your Church on Mission. To send in a comment or question, email it to evangelism at namb.net.